Amen. Presence of God's in this place. Amen. I don't know about you. I woke up this morning with it. It was like an extra closeness to Jesus. I just woke up and felt this peace and kind of excitement about where we're at. Amen. And uh, that's a good thing. And so, Zach, thank you so much. Um, obviously, it's not Pastor John. Pastor John, Pastor Chaser, with the team camp um, in a different county. Okay, they're in a different county, so it's cool. Um, Hopefully they had to stop at the Ada County line. And uh, anyways, they're up there having tea They're being safe. They have masks and everything. I think like radioactive suits as well. You can have a seat. Sorry. Let me keep you standing up. Um, but they're at camp. So Zach, thank you so much. And Lauren and the whole team. Um, like I said, it's, it's like watching a boy band almost with an old leader. <laughs> He's the one that said it. But, um, anyways, I want to pray for you today. And uh, again, normally we have the prayer time. And thank you for those who came to the altar. That made my day. I was like, it's so cool because we still believe in altars at this place. It's where you get altered. Amen. Um, so, and ladies also, just before I forget, the nursery is unlocked and open. If you need to change your child there, that's uh, you can do that. It's sanitized and everything. So that is available. Uh, no attendant, but if you need to use it, you can do that. But who, who would have come forward or said, I have a prayer need? Just lift your hand up. Say, that would be me. Okay. Let me pray for you. Lord, Father, I come before you today as, as the pastor, as the shepherd of this church in a, such a, a wonderful family that we have here. And I pray from the position you've given me um, as a shepherd to ask for you to intercede, Lord, on the behalf of those who've raised their hands for prayer. Father, I pray that you would meet their needs according to your will and according to your plan, Father. If there's healing that needs to happen, that that would take place. If there's finances and decisions that have to be made, um, I pray that you give them peace, that they would follow the peace of God. And I just pray again that you would guide them, lead them, and that we would walk out of this place knowing that you've heard the cry of their heart. And we just love you and give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I'm so glad you're here. Uh, again, do the best you can. Follow the rules. Like, uh, if you're going to talk to each other, put a mask on. It's just a smart thing to do. I don't... I was compliant on the outside and defiant on the inside, but uh, um, I'm here to, again, protect my brother who we're going to spend some time with. Um, if you don't know, he's going through chemo, and so my, I'm doing everything I can to protect him. And, uh, and so in my heart, I wore the mask, and I went to Winco, and I wore the mask, and I got caught by Zach and Lauren wearing the mask. Um, what they didn't know is it was my wife's mask, and there was lipstick on the inside of this mask. And I was like... Oh, whatever. And then I thought it's going to be on my face um, afterwards. But hey, it's okay. And uh, we just made the best we can with it. So it's, it's smart to wear one when you need to. So that's what we're doing. Um, but again, like after church and stuff, don't come up and get in my bubble. I do have a six foot cattle prod, or I will shock you. <laughs> You know, um, no, you know, I won't do that. But anyhow, it's, a, it's a, an interesting time to pastor a church. I will tell you that. Uh, but it's a good time to be a Christian. Amen. It really is. So, all right. Well, Pastor John's not here, so I forgot my Bible, which has the things in it. I set that out on purpose to do that. So, uh, hopefully, y'all can read because I'm not a good announcement person. But if you're visiting with us and you have a bulletin, there's a tear out here prayer and praise on one side and, and your name on the other side if you want to. You don't have to fill that out. But if you're visiting for the first time, we do have a coffee cup for you. Um, Melissa will be at the information booth after church and you can grab one of those for family. Uh, the big announcement is the ladies' breakfast is this coming Saturday and that is actually Rhoda's house. So, if you don't know what's at, Lori, could you stand up so people can see you? This is Lori. That's not Rhoda. But she knows where Rhoda's house is. Um, and she will let you know. She's part of the amazing woman's team. We have an, ladies, how many of y'all here are part of the ladies' team, the leadership team? Well, you're all here, man. You guys are amazing. And you're really good cooks. Um, 
as well, because I've been to some of the events. Amen. Well, kids, you guys can be dismissed. Uh, and uh, first and sixth grade, they're going to do the social distancing thing. They're, they're, they got it all planned out of what they're doing. Um, and uh, I wanted, I want to spread some joy today. I wanted to, uh, you know, we, everything's been so heavy lately, right? It's like you go to, to stores, people are kind of surprised when you even talk to them. Um, and I, I, was, I, was, I kept running into a group of ladies yesterday as we were in Winco. And they were going the wrong direction. I was following protocol, and they were going, and, and uh, so we'd bump into them, and I was laughing with them at some things, and, and I said, I'm smiling through my mask, and all three of them started laughing. Um, and, and we need to be that, amen? You do the best you can to be safe followers, but we need to spread some joy, and what I have seen so much lately in the last month or two, and I've been, I've fallen into it as well, is, is, is I don't have the fear, but I have the sadness of life has changed, it's like, you, you know, people are not, don't even want to look at you as if a stare could make you have COVID, you know, like eye contact. And, uh, and I've determined to make a difference when there's fear to try to, to put a little bit of humor out there, put a little bit of faith, a little bit of, hello, how you doing? Um, and I have had really good response toward people, from people of just saying hi. You know, just saying hello, and, and that's what we're kind of living in. So uh, I just wanted to share again today, the title of the message is Confident in the Crisis, and the idea came from um, my son and I, we were outside, and I was working on a chainsaw, and he, he said, look at that, I looked up, and about, probably guess 35,000 feet up, the jet liner, barely visible, uh, you could see this jet stream behind it, and he said, there's people in that, and I said, yeah, and I think about that, and I said, every single one of them is going through a crisis of some sort. And, and I went back to my saw, and I felt the Holy Spirit, and I, I told Travis that I just got my message for Sunday, and it was, it was, you can have confidence in your crisis. That's what I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, and I was like, that's the message. So, Travis, thank you for pointing that out. Um, I think, I believe it was of God. And so, um, I'm going to read the scripture, and then I want to just tell you a couple stories real quick, because here's the scripture, it's Hebrews 10.35. Paul says this, he says, so don't throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. Now, I want to tell you um, about a, a potential marriage meltdown that, that my wife and I had this last week. And marriage meltdowns are always fun to talk about. Okay? Uh, she doesn't know I'm sharing this story. She is just now finding out. Um, but I want, to, I want to just do a couple of object lessons here. So I have a big old thing of M&Ms that um, Marty and Grace gave me. I swear you all trying to kill me. Um, through uh, sugar, and and I thought about M and M's. This whole thing has 18 packs of M and M's. And Michael, he brought me a big old bag of them yesterday. So it's like manna from heaven falling on my house. But the heart doctor probably ain't gonna be too happy about that. So I don't go. Exactly. <laughs> can't, can't, can't hear what he said. So inside this package is 18 packs of of M and M's. But what I want to say is, is really they're marriage moments, right? Marriage moments or marriage meltdowns. And I think I should give this pack to every new bride and groom to say, you won't have some of these, all right? And so here was the dilemma. So my wife was cleaning the house and organizing some things not too long ago, and um, I didn't realize what she was doing, and I came home, and I, I threw something away, and lo and behold, in the garbage can was my favorite Red Bull. And then... The fight started. <laughs> it wasn't a fight. It was a bewildered look of why is my favorite bowl in the trash? And she's like, well, I got new ones. And so I look in the new drawer and they're gray. They're, they're cute. They're a little flimsy, but they're cute. This sucker's insulated. I mean, this one you can boil stuff in just about. So I've, I've eaten many meals in this. Okay, hot meals, cold meals, medium meals, and the bowl has never failed me. It's, it's, 
It's not the best on the inside because it's microwavable. But I'm like, babe, why, what would possess you to throw away my favorite bowl? And she's like, well, I didn't know it was your favorite bowl. And I thought, maybe we've been married 28 years. You ought to know what my favorite bowl is. Should read my mind, right? You read it all the other times. Why not read it about this? And I mean, the Holy Spirit should have convicted her when that thing went into the trash. That's what I'm thinking. I held it enough. It should be anointed, right? I mean, she should know. She should have felt the glory of God. And she was like, oh, the holy bowl. Don't, you know. Didn't happen that way. She just thought, hey, it's old. I'm going to chuck it because I got new ones. So the, the marriage meltdown just about started right there. And, and it wasn't as bad as I'm making out to be, but I was very puzzled. As, and, I, and I took that sucker out of the trash. I'm like, no, you're not throwing a bowl. You can have your cute gray ones, but this is usable to me. Like I have a line, right? And the moment you go into my garage and start messing with stuff, then we're going to have serious issues. Um, but she doesn't do that. All right. But isn't it interesting how we can throw away something that is useful? And that's what Paul's saying here. He said, so don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Well, when you throw away something that you have got a lot of sustenance out of, bad things can happen. Sustenance meaning ice cream and cereal, right? Good stuff. Um, occasional meatloaf or whatever it is that this bowl contains. And, and I shared, which isn't always a smart thing to share this with my son. Like, dude, mom, throw away our favorite bowl. He's like, what? Um, he almost had a meltdown as well. So... Anyhow, we both liked the bowl. I mean, it's like, can I just have one thing at the house that nobody else can use or that it's mine, right? Like, who moved my cheese? It's, it's this crazy thing. So it's a book. If you ever read the book, it's a book. All right. So the question I have out of this is, is what are you throwing away that you need to keep? What are you throwing away today that you need to keep? And Paul's going, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away the thing that you need right now in this crisis. Don't throw away the thing that you need right now. Because if you do, you will lose confidence. We have to remember that Jesus is in control of this whole thing. He's in control of this whole thing. He, nothing is spinning out of control. Like Zach said, it's, a, it's an artist treat. And, and we're like, what does that look like? And in the end, you're like, oh, wow, that's awesome. That's beautiful. So what is a crisis? Your definition of a crisis depends on who you're talking to. For a child, for an infant, a crisis is a diaper change. And for the parent, the crisis is not changing the diaper. And you smell it. You're like, whoa, man, you need to be changed. As soon as you open the diaper up, my kids, all of them hated their diapers being changed. They didn't like it. They were like, nah, because some of you are comfortable in your, in your mess. <laughs> I can't say crap on Sunday morning. And I wanted to because it fits. You're comfortable. That would be a perfect sermon title, Scott. You can preach that when I'm gone. Uh, comfortable in your stuff. Um, and the thing is, half of you said it in your mind when I was going. So anyway, we're comfortable in the mess. We're comfortable in the stuff. And God's like, something's got to change in you for you to be clean and for you to be different and for you to not stink up the room. Because most of the time, babies are okay with their own stink. And a lot of times as Christians, we can be that way. We've been comfortable in our own stink. And other people are like, bro, whoa, you need to change. You're like, I ain't smelling nothing. Well, you're used to it. That's the problem. So God wants us to change. Well, that's a crisis for a toddler. For, for a toddler, a crisis is taking their sucker away before dinner. They'll freak out. Ah, no, that's mine. That, that, that's their crisis. A crisis for a junior high girl is the breakup letter. Okay? Or they're just ignoring, right? That, that's a crisis for a junior high girl. A crisis for a high schooler is the pimple. And it only looks like Mount Everest to you. Okay? It don't look like Mount Everest to everybody else most of the time. Why? Because most kids in high school have them. But for you, you're like, everybody's going to look at it. No, they're not. They're looking at their own. 
crisis is just very, and so I went to the great source of what truth is, and it was the internet, on the crisis. What does crisis mean? So I Google crisis. What is the definition of crisis? And it came from Wikipedia, which is 100% accurate all the time. And here's what Wikipedia had to say about crisis, and I think I agree with it. It says, any event that is going to lead to an unstable and dangerous situation affecting an individual, group, community, society, and I will add marriage. Think about the things that you've made a big deal of that really weren't a big deal now that you look back. Now that you look back, you know, yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal. I made a big deal of it. And I honestly didn't make that big of a deal of the bull. I'm, I'm being a little extra animated, but it was a little tense. I mean, it was a little puzzling. I appreciated the fact that everything was organized. It was awesome. She was in a mode, uh, and it's a good mode. But, but to throw away what was sacred, that's where the line was crossed, you know? Now, y'all noticing, I have the bull. I think did not stay in the trap. I was like, I know, I, I, I will give, but there's a point, all right? I'm not sure where she keeps the bull now, but no, I keep it in a secret spot because you've got to hide stuff if you don't want it thrown away, right? What she told me was she was getting me back for all the uh, to-go cups that I throw away when she leaves town. Oh, baby, it's coming, all right, because that drawer is full again. It's like, it's like a miracle. It's like, you know how Jesus made water into wine and it kept producing and the oil and all those things? That's what happens in my house with to-go cups. It's like she buys one and they multiply. And I'm like, I think she's partly Jesus. It's like, okay, why, how, why are there so many here? There's a lot. Way more than you can drink out of, but hey, whatever. I have a happy marriage and I love my wife to death, so you can have all the to-go cups you want, babe. And I can throw away every to-go cup that, No. Am I going to be in trouble when I get home? No, because she ain't home. Uh, We're good. Um, All right, let's go on. Think about the things, again, that you made a big deal of that really weren't a big deal now that you look back. Okay, some of you have heard the story that I told, um, and I can't tell it in first person. So there's a guy I know who, when he was a kid, um, aunt and uncle took him and his brother and the three cousins on a camping trip. Now, they went over a night in Brown Chevrolet um, up the Klamath River. And then um, up another another river, I can't think of the name of it, but it's an easy one because we have one in Idaho out of the same one. When you get old, you just forget stuff. And uh, and so anyway, we're up the river and we were having a great time fishing and exploring the river and it came time for lunch. And so we got all the stuff out, hot dogs, we were barbecuing and whatnot. And all of a sudden a crisis arose. Arose would probably be the correct word, but let's say arise, it arised. And, And we heard... From the mouth of the uncle, where's the mustard? And they got to look in for the mustard. And the aunt forgot the mustard. And all of a sudden, there was a marriage moment. There was an explosion of anger toward the wife of, you forgot the mustard? And it turned into this big deal. And we're all just going... Whoa, what's happening? And it turned into a shouting, and all of a sudden, the ant just walked off, like down the road, bawling, and, and we're, we're there like in shock, going, okay, we were just having a good time, and now we're not. There's all this tension, and we're, and eventually, we, we, this kid with his aunt and uncle drove down the road, found the ant crying under a tree, calmed things down a little bit, but it was, it was like scarred me a little bit, as you can tell. Well, then... Okay, we thought that was kind of a big deal. Well, then my brother stabbed his knee with a knife. Now you know who I'm talking about, all right? Now I'm talking first person. 
It was me who had the aunt and uncle. And, and what became a big deal with the mustard became a bigger deal when my brother stabbed himself in the knee right here. Under, right above the tendon, underneath the kneecap. And it went in a long ways. And I think it inspired him to become a doctor because that's the one who did it. His scars are today. And he was going, Stan, listen, there was air. And he was doing this and air was going, shh, shh. It was like a sucking wound. And I was like, that's kind of cool, huh? He's like, yeah, listen to it. And, and that ruined the camping trip. Then we had to pack up and go to the doctor and get stitches. So we went from the mustard being a big deal to my brother stabbing himself. <laughs> it's a little bigger deal. But what is it in your life today that was a big deal that now you look back and went, eh, it's not that big of a deal. I believe that's what's going to happen with the current crisis. Is we are going to look back and go, oh, okay, yeah, it was inconvenient and there was some tragedy out of it. But you know what? God got us through it. God got us through it. So I have a, a prospect. Here's, here's my, my idea. I shared this on Facebook this morning. I don't know if you saw it. So I thought, after we get through COVID, let's focus on STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. And I thought this, as I was doing yard work yesterday, because I have property and there's always weeds. And I, and I have these really weird thoughts when I'm spraying stuff. Right? And I'm thinking about things that I thought, you know, what would happen if the, the CDC came out with an anti-STD campaign? And here's how it would look. Every day on the news, they would post, because everybody has to get tested, how many STDs happen in, in our state every day? Like, what would the numbers be? What would the numbers be? And then you got to post those numbers. Every day on the news, on social media, the numbers are posted. This is how many people tested positive for an STD today. Well, then you take those numbers and you post them every junior high and high school entrance. And this is how many students in our school have STDs. And then at every bar, you put the numbers and every bar and every weekend, people are like, yeah, I think I'll find another bar. And they go to that bar. And they're like, wow, 28 God. Okay. All of a sudden, people will quit going to bars and people will quit sleeping around. I think we don't even have to teach abstinence if the news would just go, hey, here's what's out there. <laughs> There'd be students like, you know, I'm okay with being a virgin. I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm good. What do you think? Has nothing to do with the sermon, but I thought it would be fun. Because the news could make a huge influence on sexual purity by simply posting numbers. I don't know, just a random idea that has nothing to do with church. Well, actually, it kind of does. It has to do with the Bible a little bit. But anyway, that's my next thing that after COVID's over, we're going to go for the STDs. Wouldn't that be great? Every bar has them posted. Like, <laughs> 27 out of 30 people in this bar now have STDs. You'd be like, yeah, I don't think I... Yeah, I think I'll just go to church. I'll be fine. What if you made a big deal out of it? It's not that big of a deal now. So here's where we're at. I told you I wanted to have fun today, okay? Can I say I'm just playing? I kind of am. Because I want to bring some joy to a church family that has been under a lot of stress with fear. Right? And that's what I felt this morning is that God just put this peace in my heart and this joy that amidst the crisis I can have confidence that he is going to get us through this, Okay? So we're all facing challenges of some sort today, just like the people in the airplane or the jet that was flying over. And I was thinking, every single one of them is facing something. Every single one is going through something. They're going to land. Um, like Travis said, they're, you know, because we're having this good talk. It's like, in every, and there's some that are about to make a decision that could alter the course of their life. Like wherever they land, there's a decision they're making or going through something. But we're all facing challenges of some sort. So I want to just give us some confidence today that we're going to make it. As a Christian... Don't get so caught up in the crisis of today that you forget your destination tomorrow. Like Zach said, don't live like this is it. This is not it. 
This is just temporary, okay? I want, I want you to picture, I'm going to tell some stories today. Is that okay? Is that cool? Okay. I want, to, I want you to picture that, that you've been to Texas Roadhouse. Most people have been to Texas Roadhouse. That you have a friend, cousin coming in from town, and they have never heard of Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> and they're from Texas, all right? And, and they've never heard of it. They're like, Texas, what's Texas Roadhouse? You've never been to Texas Roadhouse? Oh, man, the food is amazing. We've got to go to Texas Roadhouse. So you get them all pumped up about Texas Roadhouse. And they have no idea what to expect. They've never been there. You don't, you don't you really tell them details. And so you're like, no, let's go. So you get it. And you, and you show up, and there's a, there's a crowd. There's a crowd. And, and the crowd is all eating peanuts out of the same bucket. Obviously pre-COVID. Because right now that ain't happening, right? I mean, think about this. What you, y'all digging your hands in the same bucket of hundreds of people before. You have no idea where their fingers have been. Actually, you might. And yet you're getting the peanuts. And so you get, you get your cousin and you're sitting in this little cramped area with all these no social distancing. And you're all eating peanuts out of the same bucket. And, and you're throwing stuff on the ground, which goes against my OCD. I'm breaking a peanut. I'm like, I don't want to throw it on the ground. And the lady's like, no, we clean it up. I said, I know, but it just goes against, you know, some of y'all are just chucking because that's what you do at home. It don't matter. It's like, yeah, hey, I throw it on the floor. Uh, got a dog, right? And, and so your, your cousin is there and, and, and he's eating peanuts. And he thinks this is it. This is Texas Roadhouse. He said this was great, man. But what he doesn't know is there's more coming. There's something better. The peanut is just the little appetizer. And like Zach said, Zach, thank you. He gave me a good, he made everybody hungry. He said, but then the, he doesn't know, what'd you say? But the rolls are coming. But the rolls are coming, baby. And like you eat enough rolls, you're going to have some rolls, right? But when you go to Texas Roadhouse, you don't worry about the rolls. You're eating the rolls. And then the butter. And then, and then they bring the salad. And then they bring the steak. And and. Here's the problem, guys, is a lot of us are just looking at the peanuts right now thinking, this is it. And God says, oh, I got so much more. There's so much better. The world is just peanuts right now. You can't just be focused on the peanuts because rolls are coming, steak's coming, your drink's coming. There's, there's a lot of good things coming down there. And we get so focused on the crisis of today that we throw away our confidence because we think it's just about peanuts. And God has so much more for us. Is this helping anybody right now? Except for you just got hungry. Because when Zach said that first service, I smelled them. I was like, oh, I smell the rolls. And that's pretty good because we got a dairy right here that was pretty ripe this morning. I mean, I could smell it in the church building. I was like, oh, man, the dairy. But the dairy was here first. And the owner of the dairy loves our church. He's actually given to our building project. So praise God. When I smell that, I say, I smell money. I smell that money. You have grew up in the farm. That's why you, you smell money. So as a Christian, don't get so caught up in the crisis of today. Don't worry about the peanuts that you forget about the destination tomorrow. Some of you get so worried about tomorrow that you ruin today. I want to tell you, have some fun, right? Man, we are going through something as a nation that we don't want to go through, but we don't have to be killjoys in it. It's not fun, it's not fun to go through stuff. Let me tell you something. I have seen people sad more than I think than any time in history that I can remember. There's just a heaviness yeah, we can say, yeah, it's real. But guys, let's have some joy because the fruit of the Spirit, second fruit of the Spirit first is love. The second one is what? Joy. And I haven't seen a whole lot of that lately. So I'm just saying, let's spread a little bit of joy. Okay? Some get so worried about tomorrow that you ruined today. Man, go do something fun with your family. Do something fun. Go fishing. Go do something that you just, just helps you relax or whatever that is. But sometimes you got to look ahead to the end result. 
to make it through the hardships of today. How does it end? How does this end? How does this whole thing end? Well, we're going to go to, to Revelation in just a moment because I want to tell you something about me. I love to read. Um, I'm an average movie watcher. I don't watch a ton of movies. When I watch a movie, I, I want to know what's going to happen. You can't ruin a movie for me. I've had people say, well, I don't want to ruin the movie. I know, just tell me what happens. All right, who dies? Who's a good guy? Who's a bad guy? It, it drives my wife crazy when we watch movies because I'm like, is this, guy, is this a bad guy? Is this a bad guy? Is this a bad guy? Good guy, bad guy? And how does this end? Is this guy like that? Oh, okay. Well, then I'm not shocked. But with a book, don't tell me the end. Like, I want, I'm going to read a book. I, I don't go to the very end. But with the Bible, I cheated this week. I went to the end. We win. We get through this, okay? There is a new heaven and a new earth, but you can't spoil a movie for me and you can't spoil what's going on in our world. And here's Revelation. Here's what I want to read you. A couple verses out of Revelation. John, the guy that's writing this, had this vision of what God was showing him. This is what's going to happen. And again, the guys, the script is already written. Now, I know prayer changes things, but the big events are scripted. I mean, God knows what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. Um, and that's a whole thing that kind of freaks your brain out on, well, should I even pray? Then absolutely, because God's hand can move. People can repent. Things can change like that. But for the most part, the script is written on how it's going to end and when things are going to happen. So here's what John sees. Seeing into the future, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I'm going to read verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. They are dependable and they are genuine. As a Christian, that's our end. I read this new heaven, new earth. What's that look like? Well, a lot of scholars believe that the new earth is going to be similar to the Garden of Eden. Where every buck is 32 inches and every bull elk is a six and seven point, all right? Um, and, and it tastes good, but they don't die. I mean, and then there's food in heaven. I believe you have taste buds and food. And you don't, you don't have to ever go to the bathroom because your body is, it, it doesn't need sustenance. And so the marriage supper of the lamb, I'm going, okay, it's going to be like Texas Roadhouse and you can touch the peanuts. And you can take somebody else's peanut and it don't matter, right? Because there's lots of peanuts. There's going to be steak and there's lots of rolls never ending. And we get to eat just... Out of the sheer enjoyment of eating. I believe that's what's going to happen. Okay? I've had somebody argue with me. I don't think there's eating in heaven. I'm like, well, the Bible talks about fruit trees and the marriage supper of the lamb. So uh, I, I think it's as your faith. For the people that don't believe you can eat, you're going to get seated over on the other table. Where there's nothing. And I'm going to be chomping down going, you should have believed. You should have believed. Look at that. I should have believed. Oh, brother. Let's get on with this. In the end, we win. Heaven awaits us. In the meantime, the reality is we got to deal with crisis and some fears. So how do we navigate those waters? Well, you can feel fear without being controlled by it. You can feel it because it's an emotion, but you don't have to be controlled by it. See, we often feel fear when we don't know how it's going to turn out. And sometimes when we feel fear, it's because we do know how it's going to turn out. You ever got that from your mom? You just wait till your dad gets home? It's like, Mom, can you just whip me now because I don't want to wait till Dad gets home. It's like the waiting of the hours of Dad getting home is worse than the actual spanking. At least in my house, it was like that. 
And I was like, Mom, can you just spank me now and this is good? You can just tell Dad you took care of it? No, you're going to get it when you get home. And so I would worry and worry and worry. God is not going to tell you everything because if he told you everything, you might change the course of your life. Right? We have to understand that God allows things to happen and we don't know about it. I'm glad we don't know about it. So this is where the Apostle Paul is in his life right now. This is why he said, don't throw away your confidence. He knows what hardship is and yet he's filled with hope and confidence that the God who brought him to it is going to be the God that brings him through it. And that's where you are tonight. God is going to bring you to some things and he's going to bring you through it if you will take another step. But you have to not throw away your confidence. You, have to, you can't look at what the world and what the news is telling you to say, wait a second, my God's bigger than the post. My, my God is bigger than the news feed. Because the news feed is feeding you something and it's force feeding you things. But sometimes you're eating some stuff that you shouldn't be eating. It's feeding you things. And what, is it getting your mind full of faith or is it getting your mind full of fear? Now, I'm all okay with being informed, but we are over-informed in today's society. You hear about the anomaly, you know, the one 30-year-old person that passed away from COVID and had no health problems. That was the one out of millions, right? But what does the news do? They will, they will focus on that one and make it look like it. Well, you got to be careful what you listen to because all of a sudden that one, you're thinking everybody's this way. At the same time, you got to be smart. Wash your hands. Wear a mask when you need to. You know, be careful. So it's like, what do we even believe these days? Well, I'm going to choose to believe the word of God. Do you know that even the Israelites, okay, when they were going through the wilderness, you know where they went to the bathroom? Outside of the camp. Okay, so sanitary things, are, it's of God. There's sanitation. God didn't just go, oh, wherever, just go wherever you feel like everything's great. No, they had sanitary things and, and, the, and they said, okay, go outside the camp. How do you say poop in, in church? Let's just say it. Poop in a hole and bury it. Defecate? Can we say politically correct? No, I'm going to say poop because it's a funny day. All right? Go in the hole and bury it. What is that? That's smart. So disease won't spread. So there's a way that Christians can't be just flippant about disease. We have to do it. Okay, this is a real thing. Um, so we're navigating these waters that most of us haven't been in. But we don't have to let fear completely control us. And again, depending on the news feed that you're getting is going to depend on how you think about life. Well, I want God's word to be dominant in my thinking. I want it to be dominant. I don't, you know, again, I need to be informed on some things. But I, this morning, I left my phone in the car. Like Sunday mornings, I usually have my phone. I'm like, you know, I don't need this. And I, I don't, I don't want to get some text or something that's going to change my thinking about what I need to preach on. So I just left it in the car. It feels kind of good. It's like, who let the dogs out? I'm off the leash, baby. I don't, have to, I don't know what's going on in the world. All right? I'll deal with it when I, when I get out of church. Right now, I'm going to focus on what I need to focus on. Well, what is it that right now that is shaking your confidence? For me, sometimes, at least with the Word of God and with a movie, not with books, because I, I love books, you've got to read the last page to get some confidence that everything's going to be okay. If you're, if you're scared at reruns, Something, I have to be careful. Something's wrong with you, okay? Because there's times we watch movies and I'm like, when my wife's sitting, I'm like, baby, remember this guy jumps out of the closet right here and then and, can't remember, and he jumps out of the closet. She's like, Ugh! I'm like, I was just telling you that he jumps out of the closet. But she, she gets engrossed in this, okay? And here's where I could get in big trouble. But she'll jump and then I get hit. And I'm like, but I warned you. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was trying to keep you from jumping. Uh, I think she likes the suspense of it. All right. The only time there's not suspense is, is in a Hallmark movie. Yeah. And the funny part, there actually still is suspense. And I'm like, baby, okay, oh, oh, oh. 
Yeah, he bumped into her. She's the one. They're in a store. They're a little shoulder up and something happens. But she's, you know, she's engaged to another guy, but that guy's all of a sudden going to be a jerk. And then the new guy is... I hate to ruin Hallmark movies for you, but isn't the script kind of the same? Okay. You've seen that movie. Guys, this is... Let me tell you something. This is predictable as a Hallmark movie. You know what's going to happen. God has given us his word so that we don't have to be scared. Okay, we deal with stuff, but we can be confident in our crisis because in the end, we win. In the end, God will show himself for who he really is, and that is in complete control. That's where he's at, and that's where we need to be at. So Paul's right here. Okay, he knows what hardship is. He's filled with hope. Because he has confidence that, again, the God who brought him through it, or brought, God brought him to it, is going to bring him through it. And that's why he's able to keep going on. And that's my hope for you today, that you're facing some things that you'd rather not face. But I'm here to tell you, you're going to make it. Here's what Paul knew. He knew God's track record, track record for getting his followers through stuff. Okay? He, that's his track record. He, he said, okay, God's faithful. I've read the Old Testament. Paul's like, I'm very well versed in the Old Testament. I know that when Moses came to the Red Sea... That it was an impossible situation, but God opened up the Red Sea. I knew, that I read the stories when, when Moses and the Israelites were in the desert and everybody was thirsty. There was no water, but God made water come out of a rock. And when they were hungry, he brought quail. When they were hungry, he dropped manna. God is the God of what we think is impossible. And when he brings you to something, he will bring you through it. And that's why Paul here is telling people not to throw away their confidence. Don't throw away the thing that you need that's going to sustain you. Don't throw it away. He says, you hold on to the confidence. Now let's go back and look at some verses of, uh, because we want to get some context here. Why did Paul make this statement? We're going to look at what he said and why he said it. So Hebrews 10, so back up a little bit, verse 19, he says this. This is before he made the statement about throwing in confidence. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, that is the only confidence I have of making it into heaven is what Jesus did for me on the cross. It is not my own good works and the things that I didn't do. It's what Jesus did for me. Because we are all sinners in need of a Savior, every single one of us. Okay, By a new and living way, he opened for us through the curtain. That is his body. In other words, he, he died. Old Testament, there was a curtain where God was separated in the temple and Jesus became that curtain that was ripped so that we could come to God without having to go to a priest. Okay, we have a great priest over the house of God. And he says here in verse 22, let us draw near to God. Okay, whose job is it to draw near? It's us. It's our job. Okay, it's our job to draw near to God with what? With a sincere heart and full assurance. What is full assurance? It's absolute confidence. Full assurance means I'm covered. Full assurance means... I couldn't earn my way into heaven, but Jesus died on the cross for me. I accepted that, and I have the insurance policy, and it's signed by Jesus himself and his blood. And when I get to, to, to die, my insurance is going to kick in. I guess you could call it fire insurance, right? Because I don't have to go to hell when I'm saved. And Jesus wrote the policy. He signed the policy, and the devil can tell me all he wants, but the policy is still good. Okay? We have full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience. Some of you still struggle with that. You need to throw it out. You need to throw it out. Be like, hey, baby, you threw away my bowl. She goes, I didn't throw away your bowl. You got it in your hand. No, babe, don't you remember that you threw away my bowl? I have no recollection of that. That's, that's like when Satan's like, hey, Jesus, did you see what they did? Jesus is like, I have no recollection of it because I saved him. 
So any condemnation doesn't come from God. It comes from the devil. He who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. All right? So he cleansed us from the guilty conscience. Some of y'all, your, your past hangs around too often. You've got to remember that you're cleansed. Okay? God doesn't look at, your, at what you're thinking about and go, oh, that happened. Okay? To God, it didn't. And having our bodies washed with pure water. And he says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Okay? Unswervingly means you're not all over the road. Have you noticed that since they made it illegal to text and drive and even hold your phone, 80 County people drive better? I've actually noticed. I haven't seen as many people swerving because it's illegal now. I did see a lady in Meridian yesterday just, rah, rah, rah. I'm like, you what? She was clueless, okay? Didn't go to our church, no CLC sticker on her car. Because um, sometimes I will back up and see, all right? Um, and, and she was just clueless, and I'm thinking, you're asking for a ticket. Because I like, she's just blah, 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 just talking away. Um, you know, unless she was special and, and doesn't have to listen to the law. But there's laws there, okay? But unswervingly, we hold to hope. What's the hope? The hope is in Christ. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, what we say. For he who promised is what? Is faithful. See, how do we keep our confidence in crisis? We have to understand that God has kept his promises to us. He is going to keep his promises still. Just like he did in the past, he's going to keep those promises in the future. And he says this, and I kind of like this, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Not just encourage, he's like spur. So there's times that you just get to dig him in a little bit, right? Anybody know what spurs are? You live in Idaho, you should know what spurs are. Okay, and, and spurs aren't always made to cause a lot of pain, but the presence of the cause of pain is a pretty good encourager. Just like my dad used to put the spanking stick on the refrigerator, okay, you know my stories, and it hung over about six, six inches. So every time you walked by it, you went, oh yeah. <laughs> it also made it for a really quick, easy way to grab, so you're not feeling for the, you know, until you just, bam, bam. I got lots of those as a kid, sure glad that I did, okay, because it set me straight. So I would remember what the, the spanking stick was for, and five seconds later, when I wanted to do what I wanted to do, I kind of forgot about that. Aren't we like that as humans? It's like we know we're not supposed to, but we kind of like, oh, I went on cruise control. And I found myself doing the very thing that I know I shouldn't be doing. And then we have to go before the cross again and say, Jesus, please forgive me because I just made an idiot myself again. I can't live life without you. I can't be good enough without you. Just another reminder. My sin is another reminder that I can't make it without you. We can't live a perfect life. We should try our best we can, but we're not going to. And when we fail, we have the cross to go to. And then he says this, and this is a really confusing verse for the, for the time we're in, because Wednesday night, we, I teach verse by verse uh, through the book of Titus right now, and, and we're talking this week about how to obey the authorities of the land, to obey the laws. Well, then Paul throws this verse, and Paul wrote both of these verses. How is a pastor supposed to take these? Titus is like, okay, obey the laws of the land, submit to the authority, da, da, da. And then he says this, same author, different book, still anointed by God. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day, approaching day, capital D, meaning the day of Jesus. What is he saying here? They were specifically talking about church gatherings. <laughs> okay, so we're supposed to obey the laws of the land and not go to church, and then he's saying, don't give up going to church. Amen. What am I supposed to do here, Lord? <laughs> you said that. Online, right? Because there's a lot of people online now. That I said, if you need to stay home and watch online, watch online. That's great. But what's interesting 
And I'm thankful in Idaho that we have a governor or a mayor or a police chief that are all about church, like go to church, be safe about it, but we're not going to stop you. Okay? And he's saying here, when the day is approaching, you need it more and more to encourage each other. So I'm trying to pastor through this whole thing of trying to say, okay, we've got to obey the laws of the land. You know, at the same time, we have a, a church family that needs church more than ever before because there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of things going on. It's like, God, what am I supposed to do here? And God's like, I don't know, you figure it out. I'm not going to get involved. That was, no, that's not what God said. Right? So God says this, and he says this, he goes, don't, don't, don't tell people to, to disobey the law. And again, this is, I was praying weeds. I'm not going to tell people to disobey the law, but I'm also not going to prevent you from living out your convictions. All right. It's kind of a gray answer. What do you do there? Okay. How, how do you, how do you obey the law? And at the same time gather. And that's where, again, we have the online presence. We have that. If you're not comfortable coming to church. Man, stay home and watch online, okay? Wear a mask when you need to. Be, be safe. But this, do you see how hard it can be to pastor in this? You're like, okay, there's two things because we need church, but at the same time we want to be safe. I want to protect our church family. At the same time, there's a lot of people that this is the only family they have. Guys, you need to understand that there are people sitting here right now that this is the only family they have. And to say you can't come here, is, a, is a, they need the family. So this is a weird thing. To, and I would say, be graceful on your pastor. Okay. If you go to another church or whatever, be graceful because it's uncharted waters. We're like, we're not quite sure what to do here. But I'm sure glad that God gives us some direction. Okay. And he says, why do, why do we need to not give up meeting together? Because there, there's, there's encouragement that comes. Okay. There's encouragement that comes. So it's a, it's a, weird, it's a weird thing. Be smart. Okay, but don't get into the habit of missing church. And there's churches, guys, that haven't opened since COVID broke out. I mean, the churches back east, like, I, I, they haven't had church. And I'm like, man, that's so sad. And so navigating the waters is very, very difficult. But if you have a fear for your safety, then, man, join us online or sit away from each other. You know, I don't care if you talk to each other after church, but, man, wear a mask if you're going to get close, if you're not family. Right, and I'm asking you just keep a distance from me. Um, one thing I, I bet has happened is people realize that there's more bad breath in the world than they thought. Because when you wear a mask, you smell your own. It's like, ooh, that's bad. Um, the good news is nobody you're talking to smells it. You got to find some humor in this, right? So let's keep going. Why he said it, what he said it. And then in verse 26, he makes a little aside. You know what an aside is in theater? I was in drama when I was in high school. Uh, and, and, and an aside is, is you're talking about the main story, and then there's a pause. And the actor will step toward the crowd and say, but we really don't know. This guy's a big jerk, and he's about to get whacked. And then you step back, and you get back into character, and you go with the story. Well, Paul makes an aside here. And he, I wrote here on here, sinners beware. Because he starts blasting people who basically have professed Christ, but then walk the other direction. So you can read that. It doesn't have really anything to do with what we're talking about today. But you can read that little aside of sinners beware. You're accountable for what you know. Okay, you're accountable for what you know. So you can read that at a later time. Let's go to Hebrews 10.32. Okay, so he says this. He goes back into to character of what he's talking about. He says, remember, important word, remember those earlier days after you had received the light. In other words, you received Jesus when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult. Facebook did exist back then. You ever been publicly exposed to insult? Somebody posts something about you. I've had that happen a few times. 
Sometimes I deserved it. Uh, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult okay, as a Christian and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. That's a great thing. That's a church family. You get insulted and you're like, ah, somebody's coming to your side. And then you see your friend get insulted and you come and you help them out. Right? And you love them through it. And then he says this. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. This is what the church was facing in this day. Guys, we were asked to wear a mask and social distance. They were getting thrown to lions. I would rather live in America in this century, in 2020, than live back then. Like, we're like, I gotta wear a mask. And like, well, at least you don't gotta get chucked into a lion. Right? I mean, if we're comparing here, we have it pretty easy. <laughs> not, I mean, that may happen down the road. I hope not. I hope Jesus comes back first. All right? But, but he's saying you sympathize with those in prison. I want to emphasize the word sympathize there. You sympathize with those in prison. Basically, they were unjustly treated. And as a church family, as a Christian, we need to sympathize with those who have suffered injustice, regardless of the color of skin. When somebody suffers injustice, it should hurt our feelings. Okay? It, it, we should have compassion for that. That's a thing that as a Christian we're supposed to do. So, he said the word remember. Okay? Remember those things got you, God brought you out of. Remember the things that God brought you out of. Let's keep reading. Again, don't throw away your confidence. Okay? It will be richly rewarded. What do you, how, how good is your memory? How good is your memory? I wrote down here, it's so hard, at least for me personally, to remember the victories of the past when you're dealing with the defeat of today. But it's necessary if you're going to get through it. Does anybody else struggle with this? It's like you, you have the victories of the past, God's done all this, and then you're like, but I'm facing today. Today stinks. <laughs> I, know, I know I got victories in the past, but I'm facing this today. It's hard to remember those victories of the past when we're dealing with the defeat of today, but we have to, to know that God's going to get us through it. So this is why you need confidence to be instilled in you. Sometimes you just need somebody to tell you that you're going to make it. That's what you need. You just need somebody to tell you what you're going to So how are you looking at your crisis? I want to change my, what I'm doing here because I brought a lot of stuff today. I want you to picture yourself... Back in the 1800s, and you and your family set out from Missouri across the plains, and you're going to make for yourself a great life. You have these ideas, and you're like, man, we're going to do this, and we're going to settle a home, we're going to have a ranch, we're going to have all this stuff. And it sounds great. It sounds great when you're on your schooner, and everything's flat, and everything's good, and you got your provisions, and you got your water, and your bread, and your coffee, and, and the piano. It happened. There was a lot of pianos dumped off at the first hill. Okay, true story. I read history and there's all these things. These women are like, oh, I'm going to have the hutch and I'm going to have this and I'm going to have that. And, and the husband was like, we can't take the whole house. And thus U-Haul was invented. Okay, U-Haul it. <laughs> I'm taking this one. And there was all this stuff. And, and, and I read stories of just stuff that really weren't that valuable dropped off. But you get into Idaho, into Oregon, and you get into trees, and there's a trail through the trees, and, and it's pretty tight, but you can make it, and you have these hopes of, man, life is going to be great. We've sacrificed so much. And so, as you're taking your wagon team through the trail, you come across a tree. There's a big tree, and I want you to picture with me, there's a, there's a tree laying across the road. I want you to picture it being sideways, and, and you're like, okay, here's, okay, there's a tree. 
And your wife is like, what are we going to do? And you're like, I'm not really sure. And, and you, you, you're, there's this barrier here. There's, there's what you would call opposition. And so you have a decision to make. You're either going to let the tree oppose you and defeat you, and you're going to go back the way you came, or you're going to do something about it. You have to make a decision. So what do you do? You're a pioneering spirited guy. You're like, baby, I'm going to show you what's up. So you get your axe, okay? And you, and you, you start whacking away at this tree, and you're just hacking, and it's taking, and you're sweating, and you're tired. But finally, you get through the tree, and you get in your, in your wagon, and you're exhausted, you're sweaty, you're stinky, and you're, and you're going, and you're like, there's got to be a better way than an axe. And so you start thinking about it in your mind. What if, I'm, what if I created like a piece of metal that you could actually cut? So you come up with a saw. Now, this is not a cross-cut saw. I wish I had a cross-cut saw, but I don't. And so pretend it's a cross-cut saw. So you're thinking, now I can fit something like that. And, and then you, you go a little further, and you're thinking, yeah, that, I mean, that would work. But all of a sudden, you have in your mind, I could build something that could really get through the tree. Amen. Okay? And all of a sudden, the thing that you looked at as an opposition became an opportunity. Because the man who invented the chainsaw is now sitting pretty somewhere on some yacht because he saw the opposition as an opportunity. And some of you today, you have opposition, but you're, you don't know what to do about it. And so I'm telling you that God wants you to take what is, you consider an opposition and do something with it. And it might start off with an ax and it might evolve to a saw and it might evolve to a chainsaw. But what are you doing with the opposition? What are you doing with the opposition? Your opposition can become your opportunity. It's how you look at it and what you do with it. From the words of a wise philosopher, Big Weld, he says, Be, see a need, fill a need. Have you ever seen the cartoon robots? See a need, fill a need. Is it opposition or is it opportunity? What are you facing today? What is it that right now you're going, I would rather not be facing this. And if you have the defeatist mentality of, oh, I'll never get by, I'm just going to turn my wagon around, you will never reach the destination that God has for you. You know, people in the West, let me tell you something about my church family here. Most of you, if you grew up in the West, you have a pioneering spirit. If you've moved here, it's because you have that pioneering spirit. There's a lot of people in, in the East. Okay? My brother lives in Tennessee, grew up, raised here, worked in the woods, but he, he lives in the East. And he says, I was meeting with him, I was just talking to him last time I saw him, and he said, there's a different, there's a different mentality of people that live where I live. It's kind of a, eh, it's all right. There's not like this hard work ethic and I said, well, out west, it was, it was like the pioneers. So you have pioneer DNA in you. And that is, we're not going to let opposition stop us. We're going to find a way to get to that promised land. We're going to make a life better for our family. And it's going to take work. It's going to take blood. It's going to take tears. But by God, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. And he said, back where he lives in Tennessee, he said, you just don't see much of that. And I said, that's because, because they all left. <laughs> they all got on their wagons and they moved out west like, we're going to do something great. But he said, they've actually, been, they've actually been studies. He said that that is actually a real thing. That the people that were like go-getters, let's build a chainsaw, let's figure out a way to do it, came out west. And, and that's who lives in the west. Kind of interesting, right? What are you going to do with what you're facing? What are you going to do with what you're facing? Oh, here's what... Paul encourages us in the closing verses. And Zach, if you, you can come on back if you'd like. You see, in a world that's on edge, you need to be an opportunity to love someone in some way. So you think about disaster cleanup businesses. Your mess 
becomes their miracle. And I'm like, I don't want to become your miracle. I don't want a mess. I don't want my pipes to break in my house. I don't want my fire. I don't, I don't want that. But your mess becomes their miracle. What was it? It was a, a person that said, you know what? There's a lot of disasters that happen in homes. I should start a business. Okay? And what you saw as opposition, they saw as opportunity. We had opposition a couple years ago when a pipe broke up the stairs during the hard, hard freeze of the sprinkler system. And it flooded this whole carpet. You, know, you look down at that beautiful carpet. That wasn't there two, three years ago whenever the, the break was. You know what happened? What was really inconvenient on a Saturday night became a blessing because the whole building got new carpet. We had assurance in the insurance. Okay? What was a mess became a miracle. So whatever mess you're looking at right now, you have to go, okay, God, is there something bigger that I'm missing? I don't see it yet. But Lord, I pray that you would help me to look at my opposition as an opportunity. When we look at what's going on in our world right now, you have an opportunity to be Jesus to people, to be extra nice, to be extra loving, to smile at someone, even if it's through your mask and they can't see your face. They should be able to tell by your eyes. This morning I made a comment about somebody's mask. It was a Seattle Seahawks. And I was like, What? And then I couldn't tell if she was smiling or glaring at me. I was like, okay, did I just offend you? And I was like, it was Lucy. I said, did you, did you like the Seahawks? She goes, no, no, no. Like, my mom gave it to me. So we know what family likes the Seahawks. Forcing her to wear a Seahawks uh, mask, I think that's, you know, it's okay. It's okay. We accept all types. Even if you like the L.A. Dodgers, we love you. Um, hey, there's baseball tomorrow night. Giants get to play the A's. I don't know if the Dodgers are playing, but... You know, I don't know how excited I am. We'll see what happens. Here's my closing challenge. Okay. Hebrews 10, 32 through 39. It says, remember, remember those earlier days. Okay. Remember. You remember what God brought you through? Go to verse 35. Because of what you remembered God bringing you through, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. God, this is talking to you. You need to persevere. You need to. You need to. Somebody's counting on you to make it. Somebody is counting on you. There were people sitting in that wagon waiting for daddy to get through that tree so that they could receive the whole point of them taking the trip. Don't give up halfway through. Don't give up just because it's hard. Have that pioneering spirit to say, God, I don't like this, but I'm going to get through it. I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to quit whining. And all of us need to whine sometimes. Okay? Not everybody should drink wine all the time. But all of us need W-H-I-N-E. All right? Don't be like a substance abuser. Okay? All right, if, you're, if you're drinking to lose, to forget, that's a bad way to drink. That's not, the, that's not what God wants you to do. We need to turn to him, not a substance, okay, to deal with stuff, to cope with things. But are we going to whine about it or are we going to win through it? That's what God is asking us to do today. He says, so you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he's going, guys, hey, you're eating peanuts. <laughs> you're eating peanuts, but that's not the meal. That's not why you're here. The peanuts are just peanuts. They're, they're, they're good, but they're not like sustainable. The, the good stuff's coming. Just wait. In just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. God doesn't want us to be shrinkers. Like he doesn't want us to shrink back and, and not stand up for what we believe in. He doesn't want us to, to go, I know what your word says, God, but I'm just having a hard time believing it. God says, I don't want you to shrink back. I want you to have confidence. And then he ends with this verse. He goes, but we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who believe and are saved. 
Saved from what? Saved from this crazy world, church. This isn't heaven. Aren't you glad? This is peanuts. This is peanuts. Exactly. Like the rolls are coming, baby. Rolls are coming and bring extra butter. Extra butter. Bring extra butter. Bring extra rolls. Right? And then you'll eat the good stuff after that. Keep your head up. Amen? Keep your head up. God's got this. Amen? I want to ask you a question. Here's a question. It's easy. Are you right with Jesus today? Are you right with Jesus? The Bible says there's a heaven and a hell. And you can't get to heaven without accepting Jesus as your Savior. You can't. There's nothing you can do good enough that will get you into heaven. It's completely by the blood of Christ when he died on the cross that will get us into heaven. So if you bow your heads with me just for a moment, I'm going to ask you the question. I'm not going to take long. But if you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus, if you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, to forgive you of your sins, today is your day. And if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out. That's why everybody's got their heads bowed, because this is between me and you and God. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, that's, that's me. I'm, I need to give my life to Jesus today. Okay, all right, I see a couple hands. Amen. Okay, lost all three. So let's, this is how we do it here at our church. We pray as a church family. And there's people online that need to know, how do I enter a relationship with Jesus? It's this simple. Let us lead you in a prayer, and let's pray it. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. And I ask that you will forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we always give a hand to those who are brave enough. Amen. 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 And we have a, if you need a Bible, okay, we have Bibles at the back. Melissa's back there in the information booth and also a little booklet. It's like, it's called a new believer's handbook. It's like, okay, I became a Christian. Now what? It's kind of just the nuts and bolts of how do I live as a Christian? And it's a great thing. But I think we should sing that song. Amen. And we can be, lift our heads up and, and everything. Uh, don't play with my chainsaw or my axe. Don't touch my stuff. All right. M&M's, next time you see that, marriage moments, marriage madness. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be eating them. If you find a random pack of uh, M&M's, like on your dresser, know something's up. Yeah, she put them there for a reason. Um, Zach, would you lead us in a song, please? Let's stand up and let's...